guys. Hello. Welcome back once again. Here we are with the new episode. Yes, our new episode. And as you might have noticed, this is also our second episode in two weeks. So we're doing the weekly thing now, but we're, it's not a guarantee. We're just, we're still tinkering. But here we are, a new episode. Exactly, guys. We had the content that we had to deliver on for you because you know that we love to be up to date with what's happening in the world. Yes, and also we like keeping you guys up to date and not to toot our own horns, but like if we don't comment on something or if we don't release an episode one week, like people are like, oh, you didn't tell us, blah, 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 and people get annoyed and it's this whole thing. So when we have the content, for the most part, we're going to try and give you guys an episode just because, you know, we're generous like that. We're so, so hugely generous, but we just have to do it for our dedicated fans. And we're going to pick up with a topic that we did our bonus slash emergency slash whatever we called it episode last week i'm of course referring to the james charles taddy westbrook and now jeffrey star drama yes so obviously guys if you listen to last week's episode you're quite up to date if not i would recommend you listen to it first for better context but look strokes for folks however there was this online feud between taddy westbrook who is a youtube mua with her own beauty line called halo and then james charles who was also an mua whose career was started on on YouTube and he's kind of grown since then. So they had this big old feud and now it's a case that Jeffree Star, who is arguably probably the biggest fish in the game when it comes to MUAs on YouTube, he interjected because he's quite good friends with Jeff with um with Tati and would have had a lot of interactions with James and just got the pot was boiling over with news. Yes, boiling oh, over. One second, yeah. Um, yes, I do. I have to be in for nine. Yeah. Thanks, ma'am. Oh, ma'am, ma'am. Ma'am. Sorry, Ashton, pull my door. I hate when that happens. Two seconds. Cause it feels like a moment. I like how she was whispering. I was like, yeah, she's, she's a cutie. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I said boiling over with news. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So last week, Jeffrey tweeted some fairly ag- aggressive, might be the word I would use, but like fairly questionable tweets, both at Jeff, both at James Charles, but also at James Charles's brother, who had um, moved back from LA to his hometown. And it's since been clarified that actually there was, it had nothing to do with James Charles himself, but more his brother's own personal kind of troubles that he's going through and he's pushing through and fair play to him so he had this whole thing and then he had to delete the tweets but of course like once you tweet something it doesn't matter how quickly you do it when you have a following as large as Jeffrey stars it's going to be screenshot and it's going to be seen so then he released his own video basically I don't know how we feel about that video for me personally it was kind of whack he basically sits there and just says even though he like he literally created ways with those tweets and inserted himself into the drama the video comes out and he's basically like i'm not here for the drama anymore and that's just literally it like it's just like he's refusing to do get into involved and stuff like this anymore which i think is probably a very mature decision to make but it's also like it to me at least it rings a little bit like okay you got called out that the stuff that you were saying was inaccurate and okay he you're admitting that it's wrong well i actually does he admit that he's wrong not really he's kind of more like you know I have receipts and X and Y, but I'm not getting involved anymore. And it rings a little bit like, okay, you don't really have anything important to say. Yeah. So I kind of have a bit of a different 
I suppose, reaction to it. So also what happened after uh, after everything that we reported on for last week in terms of James and Tati's whole just crazy experience. Well, in the video that James released last week, he was pulling up texts that Jeffrey had sent to him and everything was coming across like very aggressive, very vile. And there was like, there, there was, there was a lot of things said. And so Jeffrey was just addressing everything that James brought up and then what other fans had brought up, because obviously once he had said that awful thing to James Charles's younger brother, then they were also looking back through his other tweets to kind of see what other things that they could pretty much attack Jeffrey for. So he was just saying how, pretty much he's done loads of bad things in his past that he will always regret. The one thing that I personally just really liked from the video that Jeffrey uploaded was that he has had quite, like he's, he's had quite a tough time. And when I say tough time, I mean in a case of he's always been very angry and he had quite a tough upbringing and he's kind of been like mistreated by people and stuff like that. So he seemed to always be very aggressive and he's always been problematic by saying either insulting things there was a time when he was saying racist things like he's been a problematic person so what I enjoyed from the video was the fact that he was identifying that he was turning into that person again so he was saying the whole I got involved when I really shouldn't have I said this to James Charles younger brother and the for people who don't know James Charles younger brother is called Ian is Ian this is a public apology to you I'm so sorry about this I allowed myself to believe that the thing that you were experiencing at the time that you put up on Twitter had to do with me and I realised it wasn't and he's, he's just calling himself out for being in the wrong so I don't, maybe Al you were saying like does he ever say he's wrong I, I can't remember off the top of my head but I like the fact that he identified that he had a lot to apologise for so I think a lot of people thought it was a bit of a cop out him having put up all of these kind of aggressive and even passive aggressive tweets saying oh my next youtube video like i have all the receipts just you wait and then the video goes up and he's like no you know what like i've slept on this and i've realized how posting receipts and telling you guys the tea and and keeping this drama going is just not right and i shouldn't be progressing this message and i'm sorry for that so for me like i suppose because now, it's not that I'm a huge Jeffrey fan. Like, I'm not massive, massively into kind of any MUA on YouTube or anything. But I, I enjoy his character. Like, I, I like watching him on YouTube. He's engaging and and he's funny and he's taken ownership for his mistakes. Now, he kind of keeps making mistakes. But so I'm kind of like, oh, am I just kind of getting a bit deluded by the fact that he keeps making mistakes and then apologizing for them? But what I think from that video anyway is that it shows personal growth for him. The fact that he's like, I really shouldn't have done that. And I'm endeavouring for the future to just not do this again. So I just hope for him that he doesn't get trapped in this kind of sphere again. Because remember last week in the in our, in our little update when I was saying how I hope that James Charles just acknowledges that he's done something wrong and that he'll learn from it. For me, Jeffree Star learned from this experience. Or at least he says he has. And I hope he acts on it now. Yeah, I, I guess you're actually... Yeah, that's really true. I think... The whole situation to me, I'm kind of like, it's definitely dying down now, I think, a little bit. I think everyone is just taking some space. I think everyone is just kind of trying to get their things in order and just seeing where everything falls. But yeah, I guess you're probably right. It does definitely show 
a growth and an ability for Jeffree Star to kind of like self-reflect and be like, okay, you know, at the end of the day, he, he is much older than James Charles. He runs his own business and that business is huge. And like at the other side of things is you don't want to do anything that would jeopardize that business. And I'm sure that definitely came into his thought process. But still, if something like that is leading you to be like the bigger person and a better person, well, then I think we're kind of on side with that. Definitely. Like, I do think it was partially self-preservation, but I do feel that he was being honest when he was saying that he he just wants to learn from this and just stop the negativity. And he was just kind of calling himself out. So I, I just appreciated the fact that he seems to have learned some sort of lesson from this. And I hope that he does actually act on it all now. Yeah. And I think probably we could say the same for everyone involved in this whole thing, including Taddy Westbrook, who, you know, for whatever reason, decided to put that video up and she had every right to do that. But, you know, everything is a learning experience. And once you've learned something to, you know, develop yourself further in a positive way, well, then that's what we're all trying to do. So I think I'm on board with that as well. Definitely. Okay, so we're just going to move on really quick to the Eurovision. I mean, we can't not mention the Eurovision. It would be crazy for us not to at least, you know, offhandedly mention one of the biggest, if not the biggest, musical musical competitions in the world. I guess it probably is. The, the, no, it would definitely be. Yeah, it definitely is. Or at least the most watched. It's watched by hundreds of millions of people. It's basically, I remember a couple of years ago, people compared the Eurovision to the Super Bowl. It was like the European Super Bowl. And that's what's really happening now. And you're going to see it more and more and more. So, for example, this year we had Madonna perform um, fairly controversially. But I think we're really going to see just as long, like the, the more the Eurovision continues, the bigger and bigger and more kind of important the stage is going to become. And I think you're going to see people like Beyonce and big artists like that start performing with these type of things because the budget is huge. The spectacle of it is massive. So not only are those things important, but also the audience is just so big that it's a huge, huge opportunity. Yeah, like I think a lot of people don't really respect how huge it is because like it runs over tens of countries. I, I don't even know how many countries involved, but like a mad amount. And so say, for instance, I've never personally been a fan of the Eurovision. I don't know why you'd kind of assume it would be my gig. You know, song contest, mm-hmm. bit campy, just bit fun, bit extroverted, all this type of stuff. And yet it's literally just never taken my fancy because I'm not into that whole thing of like finding entertainment and stuff that can be just really, really bad, even when it's not supposed to be bad. Like I haven't watched any, watched any of those like X Factor, whatever country's got talent. Like I haven't watched them for years. I don't know why it doesn't take my fancy. So even before this year, which I would have boycotted for obvious reasons, we'll get into that in a minute. I've never been a fan of the Eurovision. You know, I kind of now love is a strong word, but I used to really quite enjoy the Eurovision. I think there, like you know, you can sit at home with your friends and have like a bottle of wine, and it's a very entertaining watch. And like I know what you're saying about the kind of cringiness of it all, but that's part of the fun. That it's so like it's like this this competition is going on nearly fifty years, or probably more than that. And yet we still can't get competent European presenters. And maybe that's the. Anglophile in me coming up, but I'm like, guys, like so many times, 
like it's very hard. It seemed like the presenting was atrocious this year. It was so bad. There was four people and they were just kind of like switching between the four of them whenever it suited. It's it's car crash TV, but that's part of the appeal. Of course, just to for full like clarification, the winner, the winning song, Duncan Lawrence's name, like what a stupid name, like a silly, silly name, but he represented the Netherlands and he won. And the song is fine. I mean, the song isn't like, I haven't listened to it since. I have no intention of listening to it since, but it's definitely not one of those weird kind of like novelty pop songs like Israel's song last year, which won. This is more kind of a traditionally balanced and composed pop love song. And it did well. And it's a nice song. And I guess I'm happy for the Netherlands that they're the winners. Um, You and I both alluded to Madonna's performance, which I think is probably the most interesting thing uh, that happened at the Eurovision. I must admit, I didn't see all of the Eurovision. I didn't watch the semifinals. I just, uh, you know, prior to Saturday night, it was, there was just, uh, to be honest with you, all I saw on Twitter was people saying to boycott it and we're boycotting it obviously over the Israel-Palestine dispute. So I, I didn't, wasn't hugely encouraged to watch it and I didn't, but Madonna came under heavy criticism for agreeing to perform at the Eurovision in Israel for obvious reasons. But she then added these political elements. She did Like a Prayer, which frankly, low-key, Like a Prayer is one of the best songs of all time. So anytime that she get, like she brings that out, I'm quite happy. Um, vocally, I mean, a little bit dicey, but the woman is nearly 60 and she's given it socks. So, <laughs> you know, we'll allow it. But basically, she by performing in Israel, it's seen as an endorsement of the Israeli side of that dispute. I don't think we're going to get too far into that, Laura. I don't think we have, frankly, researched and developed thoughts on that whole intricate kind of, like, this is like generation, like a generational thing. And we are, or at least I'll speak for me, I don't have the knowledge of that to speak profusely or in any way kind of eloquently on it. So I just would rather not do that. But still, she came under severe criticism for that. And then she came under more criticism for the performance itself. Like I said, the vocals are a little bit ropey. So this was this whole thing, but it basically ended in two of her dancers, one wearing a Palestinian flag and the other wearing an Israeli flag, kind of embracing with their backs to the crowd and the TV cameras to the end of her new song. And I don't know how we feel about it. Personally, my own motives are that I think she did pretty well. She... And like I said, the performance, like as a spectacle, was very impressive. And I mean, I think it would have been worse had she gotten up there and not, not acknowledged that dispute. Um, Madonna is not one and has never been one to shy away from political or controversial topics. And like she kind of is a queen of controversy. And I guess, like I said, I'm happier that she said something or at least tried to say something as opposed to just blindly showing up and taking the money and going. That would have been worse to me. Yes, I think it was very, very, very important for her to acknowledge the like political scene around her and kind of the fact that everyone was going to be criticizing her for because like to say that she endorsed, I think is it's an interesting word because technically I suppose you can definitely view it as that. But I would like to believe that she wasn't endorsing a particular side. But yeah, like it is a totally fair way to put it. I wouldn't have thought of that myself. But so say for instance by her including this I just first of all I don't know if it was the best the best way that she could have but I'm trying to also think like what else could she have done to to address what was going on around her 
and just the political scene. But it's just, it was a little bit kitschy. It was a little bit awkward. And I don't know, it's just because of, because again, I'm the same as you, Alex. Like, I don't really want to comment on the whole, the the political element of this just because I I wouldn't be enough in the know to know exactly what comments to make here. But all I know is that for, like this year was an incredibly difficult year for many. And I saw, I, didn't, I don't think I saw a single tweet about someone watching the Eurovision this year. So I have to say I'm quite proud of that because I'm like, well done people for, you know, standing, standing your ground on this. But I don't know. It's just it's the fact that she was there in the first place, just because of the whole experience that I'm kind of like, I'm glad obviously that you addressed this in your performance, but did you do it the best way? Also, like, were who, whoever was planning your performance for the Eurovision, like, did they request that you do this? Was this your own initiative that you took? Again, Al, as you said, she's not one to shy away from a political message, so I imagine it could have been her idea, but I'm also kind of like, did she have another idea and then someone planned this instead? I, it just, it doesn't feel right, if you get me. And when I say right, it just feels like it wasn't, a very Madonna thing to do, but then I don't know. See, to me, I think it comes across, I think it's a very Madonna thing to do in the sense that, like I said, she's not one to shy away from anything. And I think also, you know, she doesn't want to go to Israel maybe and do something overtly, like fall particularly, like she's on the fence, but it, the acknowledgement alone, I think is enough for me to be kind of okay with it. Having said that, I think we also need to acknowledge the like the whole issue of Israel winning to me is funny because it wasn't an issue them competing or maybe it was, but I don't think it was. It wasn't an issue Israel competing until they won. And it only became Israel's involvement in the competition was only an issue when they won. And the thing is like, you can't let someone compete and presumably provide money and funding and entertainment and and everything that would go in like that is involved with participating in the Eurovision. And then when they win, take that all back and be like, Oh, you can't win. Like, that's not right that you won, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, Europe, and Australia, lol, voted for Israel to win the Eurovision last year. So, I don't know, I think everyone was kind of just put in this really awkward place. I totally understand why people are annoyed that's in this, they're like, like 1000%, but I'm also like, surely this should have been an issue before they were given the opportunity, and then we voted for them to win, as opposed to now hindsightly being like, oh, you know, Israel shouldn't be in there. Yeah, it's hilarious, because I feel like that's just kind of like world politics anyway, that like this kind of I suppose a joke of of an option is kind of presented and it's really negative but people are kind of able to take the piss out of it like I know that we always kind of somehow managed to come back to Trump in our episodes but say for instance like when Trump was running for his presidency no one expected him to win he was like the butt of the joke he's just like oh like he's getting all this like funding and everything like that but he's more for us to kind of be to be able to make a mockery out of because he won't win and then he did and then people went absolutely wild and I suppose it's kind of a similar circumstance to this where people are like, oh yeah, like Israel are involved. We're not really going to address it. But then as soon as Israel wins, then everyone just kicks off. So it's just kind of like back to the whole thing that we're always talking about before, like having consistency and addressing a problem from the get-go and not just when it's popular too. Oh, I don't know. These world politics can just be so difficult and so demoralizing. Yeah, I would totally agree. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. But also having said that, I will more than likely be watching the Eurovision next year. And it just provides me, like, look, Lorene Euphoria, like, is one of the, like, oh, it's an absolute banger, like, 10 out of 10. So, like, sometimes it pops up. Sweden always has a good song. 
So like you do get, there are little gold nuggets in the Eurovision and it's campness and sort of, like you said, kitschness is kind of part of the appeal. And okay, this year, I don't think anyone will, anyone really was particularly hyped by it, but I feel like next year we might have a different vibe and we'll see how it goes. And hopefully next year it's a return to form for many. Exactly. Sure. Look, for those who enjoy Eurovision, I hope you continue to do so in time. And hopefully we can just identify that this whole Israel chapter happened and keep it in mind for the future so that it maybe doesn't happen again. And just keep going. So guys, I'm sure you might have noticed the past couple of weeks that we haven't been talking about Game of Thrones. And I think Alex and I both kind of agreed that we didn't want the podcast to be overrun with Game of Thrones things. We didn't want it to turn into this, like, you know, weekly review sesh. But it's come to an end. So I think, like, we would it would be wrong of us not to discuss it now. Yes, I think it would be, frankly, criminal if you, you know, haven't got the vibe already, guys. If you don't watch Game of Thrones, cool. You can still stick around. But if you're one of those people who, like, still hasn't watched it and doesn't want to be spoiled... Well, then you should definitely turn us off now. But we're not going to go into like made. Well, maybe. No, we definitely will. But we're mainly just going to talk about our overall feelings as the season and as the series comes to a close. And I guess, Laura, that's where, you know, that's where I'm going to ask you, like, are we happy with it? Are you disappointed? Are you upset? Are you angry? Tell me your thoughts. Okay. So for me, like, my whole thoughts are pretty straightforward. I am disappointed with one thing. Mm hmm. And I'll get into that in a second. But the one thing that I'm going to flag really up front here is I am not mad at any of the outcomes bar one, which is the one that I'm disappointed in. The only thing for me that I really, 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 really disliked about the last three episodes was that they just completely rushed the storylines and gave screen time to things that were entirely inconsequential. And that really, really, really annoyed me. Yeah, I think... The rushed element is I don't think there's anyone out there saying that even if you are happy with this, like just full disclosure again, I'm fairly, I wouldn't say unhappy. I'm I'm definitely disappointed. I'm kind of a little bit meh about the whole thing, which is so strange because Game of Thrones was never a TV show to be meh about. It was always, you either loved it and even if you hated it, you hated it because they did something crazy and that you didn't like, but it wasn't that it wasn't bad TV and the rushed element of this last season is bizarre. Everything is crammed in. You have like so much potential still. And to shorten the season and to force this story to a conclusion within six episodes is such a confusing decision to me. HBO offered the two main writers, Dan. So they offered him or them, sorry, six or 10 episodes and they declined. And basically the rumor has always been since maybe like 2017 that the two guys wanted out of the show. That to me is, uh, is, is an ambition that I cannot wrap my head around. You're literally probably the most famous showrunners in the world on the most famous slash beloved show, most watched, most everything. Like it's literally the biggest show on TV. It's everything is going your way and you want to rush the conclusion and you want to jeopardize its like overall kind of place in our culture but for what? For what exactly? So these guys are going to be working on a new Star Wars trilogy. So that was kind of announced. And then everyone's slightly talking about this Game of Thrones thing. But I still, I just can't. I, okay, look, 
the pressure I'm sure they're under is huge. But I still think, like you said, just cr- like stuffing these episodes with, frankly, turnarounds. Everything, like one second this happens, this happens, and this, and this, and this, and this. It's so discombobulating. And it's also hugely not Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is a slow burn. You know, big things happen, yes. But then also there are peaks. But a lot of the time it's a slow, it's like, you know, a, a slow ascent. You know, you're kind of, they walk up to this mountain peak and it gets there. And that's what makes it satisfying. And we didn't get that this season. This last episode, frankly, for me, was probably one of the most boring episodes of Game of Thrones I've ever watched. It left me cold. It left me emotionless. I didn't have any great feelings about it. That I can't forgive. I, I really can't. Now, obviously, spoilers, the whole Danny gone mad queen thing. I'm not against that. I, I'm annoyed that it happened because, frankly, I don't think after having supported and followed that character for eight seasons, for someone like me, that isn't a satisfying end to her arc. She didn't really die for anything here. She died because she seemingly went crazy. And yes, okay, it was foreshadowed, but it was foreshadowed. But the turn that happened, her turning heel, just seemed to happen. Like episode five is not good in my eyes. Now, I actually was talking to someone who thought it was really good, but I feel like across the board, everyone was really like, at least a little bit uneasy with that episode. Everyone was kind of like, okay, you know, I think everyone was waiting to see the next episode, uh, the last episode, to see if they could wrap everything up and see if they put a nice bow and everything. And frankly, for me, they didn't really. They failed in that regard. I think Danny's failed here. I think Jon Snow has failed. Like, the reality is that Jon Snow, another full-blown spoiler, his whole heritage, his lineage, is totally pointless. What difference does it make if he's a Targaryen? It has made no difference, like, at all. Other than, I guess, it kind of forces a little bit more jealousy onto Danny or something, I guess is what you could argue. But for the, like, as a, a grand plot point, it actually didn't really achieve or do anything. I just I have so many feelings about it all. And I agree with so many things you said there. So oh, I don't even know. Like, I feel like I need to rewind a little bit. So ever since the Battle of Winterfell, the show has gone downhill. Because first of all, to have that as episode three, this climactic point that we've been waiting for for like six years when it start really playing out the whole plot line for it and so that's just written off and it was a brilliant episode and I think everyone who watched it really enjoyed it particularly the whole Arya killing the Night King part like no one expected that so that was great and we're like oh brilliant writing we didn't see this thank god and then everything after that has just been so boring like, no matter what's happened, even episode five, when Danny goes mad and starts burning the city to, gr- to the ground, no one was surprised by this. Everyone, I haven't met a single person who wasn't, at, like, people would be like, ah, oh, yeah, like, uh, it was okay, I guess. I haven't met someone who hasn't found it boring. And this is not a show you find boring. This is a show built on intricacies and so many different marriages of plot lines and just years and years of really good writing and the quality we're used to just has not been there for the past three episodes and it's so disappointing and I don't know if it's because Al like you were saying that the guys just wanted to get out of there or maybe it's a case of because they had to change how some of the storylines went from the books to accommodate the tv show that maybe they were kind of just rushing to get back to the way how Martin wanted the books to actually end because he did tell them how it's supposed to end and they agreed to keep it that way so unless they were like rushing it to be like, oh God, we never covered this beforehand and now we need to get back on track. But 
if that is like for what for whatever reason I don't care what the excuse is or the rationale it's just so disappointing that it just seemed that the last three episodes seemed to be a bit of an afterthought because that's how it feels like anyway and so say for instance so my whole thing is I think that first of all it should have been a 10 episode season because we deserved that I agree like we deserved to have everyone's everyone's story well blocked well thought out and well explained because i'm not mad i'm not mad with what happens to john i'm not mad with what happens to sansa i'm not mad with what happens to Arya. the brand part i'll get into in a minute but throwing all of that in into the final episode but really only giving it 10 minutes properly of after Tyrion's speech and kind of just seeing what's happening i'm just like that is such a sad excuse for an episode they could have easily ep- ended episode six with this big, big, dramatic, wonderful, filled with flair episode where John kills Danny. That would have been the perfect way to end the episode because people will be like, oh, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Because after he speaks with Tyrion, when Tyrion's imprisoned, you know he's going to kill her. Like You, you just know. Like I'm, I'm sorry if you didn't think that was going to happen. I don't know what show you were watching, to be perfectly honest. But that would have been the way to have ended that episode and then the next episode could have been this massive 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 big trial or it could have been more scenes seeing maybe like people visit John or Tyrion in prison again kind of like what we had with John and Tyrion again like there there should have been more explanation and there should have been more more heart in it because we just didn't get that and I'm just that's what makes me really disappointed yeah I'll like I actually so I like totally agree and him John walking up to Danny like literally 30 like we're literally talking 30 seconds after having this now a, a fantastic scene must be added with Tyrion and John it like a great 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 scene between the two of them so it, it it follows this like literally like probably one of my favorite scenes in this whole season so it follows that and he he stabs her and, and as someone who has loved Danny now I will admit I saw the spoilers for the season like three weeks ago so I wasn't shocked by anything, which maybe impact like impacted my reaction a bit, but it just left me so cold. I just didn't really care. Yeah, like I haven't met someone who kind of was phased really by anything. It just feels that the past couple of episodes, that I, I it feels like it's been fake. If you get me, like it just doesn't feel like it was released by HBO or that it was released by the two lads, the D and D lads. It just, I don't know. It's kind of just put me in this weird headspace where I'm kind of like, I know they're joking, right? Now, I do think that this whole petition nonsense of fans being like, no petition to have them rewrite this. That is absolute nonsense, people. Like, you got to get over that. No matter what you think where it comes to the show, like the creative license was theirs, let them do their bits. I just think that they completely spoiled 10 years of an absolutely unique and wonderful show by having three of the most boring and disappointing episodes at the very end of this 10-year journey. Yeah, it's definitely not a good ending. What I will say is it is still an incredibly well-made show. The acting is still incredible. The music is still second to none. There are shots and cinematography elements to it that are incredible. The moment where the camera kind of follows... Um, I think it's Tyrion or no it's John I think 
Uh, no, it's Tyrion. I can, anyway, one of the two, as he walks up the big steps towards Danny, and Drogon kind of takes off right behind her, and it's shot in such a way that it kind of looks like the wings are coming out of her. Or when John is walking up to Daenerys, and kind of Drogon just appears out from under the ash randomly. But they're all weird flexes. Like these aren't like they're not like like that. The moment where Drogon comes out of the ash is incredible, but also it's kind of like totally unnecessary. And I'm kind of going like you're thinking like. We're putting something like, like that in, but we're not having an episode, like a scene between Danny and John where they fully talk about her ambition and her, what she, like, you know, where he tries to suss her out. Instead, he walks up and they have a quick conversation and he goes, okay, you're my queen, but also, like, you're dead now. Like, it's so bizarre. Oh, I will point out that I love the bit where Drogon, there are bits that I still liked. And one of them is when Drogon picks Danny up and just flies off into the distance. I think that's a really moving, that was probably the most moving aspect. Oh, no, I like. The most moving part was definitely when Tyrion finds Jamie and Cersei buried under the rubble. I think that was like, like Peter Dinklage is an incredible actor. And frankly, he carries this whole episode. In fact, probably maybe even this whole season on his shoulders. And he does a great job. But I think if I just had to put like a, my own little spin, I still love the show. It's still a fantastic show. I'm still happy it was made. I'm still happy that I watched it. But the ending is so unsatisfying and it's a shame. And George R.R. Martin has come out and since t- said that his ending will be slightly different, whether that means there's going to be someone different on the throne or not. I doubt it, but he says that some people live who are dead in the books and vice versa. So there's going to be some changes, but I think the ending of Danny killing John and this kind of whole democratic society being established is like nailed on it's more so who's involved in that and where those people end up and all that type of those little chess pieces but the end game is the same so i'm excited to see that he has since said that he's hoping to get the next book out by 2020 which frankly is still 10 years too late george but we'll take it and hopefully the books can kind of flesh out everything that we didn't get in the tv series and maybe redeem it a little bit in that way but I think any, yeah, you're right. Any chance of a reshoot or, you know, whatever is totally at the window. What I could see happening is maybe a sort of director's cut happening in a year's time where they just use footage and edit in more scenes and stuff. Because I'm sure they have, they must have so much B-roll that they didn't use. So they could definitely bring something out that would flesh it out a bit more. And, you know, maybe we get an extra bonus or two episodes that we can see elements that were kind of rushed in episode six kind of become a bit more exponential but you know we're, that's a while off so yeah I think I'm going to give this season a solid C last season season 7 for me was a B and every other season was like A minus A plus so still a fantastic show but definitely underwhelmed yeah 100% I will say before we round things off and put our own little bow and everything that I have to completely reiterate what you said that Peter Dinklage was literally the saving grace for me, of the whole entire show, like his character arc has just been the best out of all of them. He has been such an incredible character to watch. Like Tyrion, you can't not love him. And Peter Dinklage has completely just like melted and broken and just engulfed my heart. Like, I love him. What a man. He's he's so talented. So I'm glad that he got that he, he got to stay around to the very end. So I'm delighted for that. Before I go, the one thing, well, before I go, before we go, the one thing I will say about the whole episode that I wasn't keen on, so in terms of Bran taking the throne or whatever, I am very pissed off 
that they didn't follow Sam's lead and openly discuss the option of democracy. Obviously, they didn't know at the time that it was democracy. But like you guys and Alex, like you heard my, not my prediction, but what I feel would have been a good option a few weeks ago when I said this, and I said that John would have democracy. Well, John, Sam, you know, synonymous at this stage, joined the hip, best pals. But it just, it, it, for me, it makes a lot more sense than having yet another monarch. And then also, actually, another thing that annoyed me, now I'm delighted that Sansa got to get to that level of power that she wanted. But I just feel like it was such a regression by just claiming the North for its own state. Just completely excommunicates itself from the rest of the world. And just, yeah, wasn't really a, a fan of that part either. But look, those are my two quibbles. And Al, I don't know how you feel about them or if you want to comment further on them. I like the North being an independent state. I think it works for me. And yeah, like Sansa has been one of my favorite characters since basically season five. And I'm so happy and so thrilled with her arc. And I think that's one of the show's greatest strengths along with, you know, I I don't know who else's arc I would particularly point out. Even someone like, well, I guess, yes, Tyrion's is great, but I think Sansa's is the one that I think they've really executed that to the best. I I couldn't see that going any better. So I'm really happy with that. Bran being the king, I'm like, whatever's, you know, I don't. The, the issue is that I felt like I could see it coming both obviously because I'd seen the spoilers, but also because he didn't really do anything. So he had to do something. So I was like, okay, this makes sense. Here for the, de- the democracy being set up, that's all cool. I think that was fairly predictable as well. And look, at the end of the day, it's going to be hard to shock us because, you know, you have millions of people trying to like, you know, pick these things apart and do theories and stuff. So they were never going to, think up of an ending that was going to shock anyone but I just wanted an ending that was going to be well done and unfortunately I don't think it was particularly well done and that's my final thoughts. But sure look we at least got 10 years of for the most part a fantastic show sorry well I won't say most part it was a fantastic show there were blips but look I look forward to be perfectly honest over the summer starting it again and re-watching the whole thing because this for me has been Like, it's been huge. Like, it's been a huge part of, like, my life in terms of enjoying and investing and being excited for it all. So, yeah, like, I'm, am I a bit irked by the last couple of episodes? Sure. But am I still incredibly happy with the whole thing? Definitely. Good. So, guys, I guess on that note, we're going to bid you all farewell for this week. I'm just going to leave you with one nugget of potential magic if anyone is like you know looking for something to listen to this is like a recommendation corner that i'm just totally doing off the cuff please everyone listen to the new carly ray jepson album it is frankly <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing it is frankly incredible bangers 10 out of 10s left and right left and right i literally and i'm not saying this to be like hyperbolic or anything like i literally there isn't a single song that i dislike it's incredible if you like pop music it is finely crafted finely tuned and totally enamoring so that would be my one little send-off laura i don't know have you can you think of anything that you want to recommend or are you like you know have i taken you off guard i'm not gonna lie alex i'm actually very happy that you brought that up off the cuff because i do have two very quick ones to recommend and also if you want i might even give the album a shot because you surprisingly didn't text me about this to listen to Hmm. so we could do a little review (gasps) for like for next week oh Exactly. We got to gotta keep each other happy. We are a partnership. Mm-hmm. But for everyone listening, if you want a new TV show or if you want a new podcast, I've st- I started two new things. 
I watched The Bodyguard with Richard Madden in it. Incredible. All in one day, Alex. <gasps> it was sensational. The first three episodes of The Bodyguard are, in my honest opinion, some of the best made British television episodes of all time. They are so good. I honestly couldn't agree with you more. Acting, sublime, plot, brilliant. The way it's shot, amazing. It's it's so, so good, guys. I'm not going to spoil it for you because it's pretty... It's pretty bog standard by the name. Like it's Richard Madden. He is a bodyguard for a politician in the UK. Just watch it. It's so, so, so good. Like, as I said, I watched all of the episodes in one day. It was that good. Yeah, that's how you know it's good. Exactly. And then the other one. Now, my friend introduced this to me. And genuinely, this has probably been the highlight of my week. She told me, now it's been around for years, guys. It's been around since 2015. But if you haven't already, I highly recommend you listen to My Dad Wrote a Porno because it is absolutely hilarious. I actually haven't listened to that, but I've heard, it's been recommended constantly. So I will, I if you listen to Dedicated, Carly Rae Jepsen's new album, buy it on iTunes, stream it on Spotify. I will listen to the first episode of My Dad Wrote a Porno. That is a deal. Now I do request that you listen to the first two episodes because the first one, you don't like the personalities of the three people that do the podcast. Eh, they are a little bit grating. So get into the second episodes, but, but I promise you, I will make that deal with you. Perfect. So guys, we're also making that deal with you guys. I want you to tweet at me. Tell me how much you love that album. You know, like there won't be any negative reviews, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah. And I think we will end this episode there. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe to us, rate us on iTunes, share us on your stories, tweet at us at ITTO podcast. Any questions, any of that, DM me or Laura. Tweet us, DM us on Twitter if you want, on the actual account or our personal accounts. Whatever way you feel most comfortable. We're, I think we've been very open with the feedback. So all feedback is welcome. And all feedback is welcome, all feedback is welcome Laura. We love feedback. It's our favorite thing. Exactly. So guys, thanks for staying tuned with us and we will see you next week perfect love that right i'm gonna end there and you go get some rest and me too i am exhausted we did good though we did i think i think it was really good nice clear coherent choppy yes get it done done. right okay laura good night good night love you love you Bye, bye 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 exactly so guys thanks for staying tuned with us and we will see you next week 